So I remember the whole time just going through a lot of emotions. And I really feel like at that point, my faith was solidified because, you know, I had to face the mortality of a child. And I think a lot of the times when we think about our own mortality, we don't consider it very much. Like Mm -hmm. it just seems like, oh yeah, well, if I die, I'll go to heaven. Like if, like it's going to like happen one day for sure, but you just don't really see it. Yeah. But then when you're faced with the loss of a child or a loved one, Mm. that's when it really was like, okay, I have two roads here that could possibly happen. If she dies, she's just going to cease to exist. Mm. Or if she dies, she'll be with Jesus. And I knew in that moment, like, she's going to be with Jesus. Mm. Like, from everything that I had been taught, I just, I knew it. And that's when I decided, okay. She's going to be raised in a Christian household. I will be a Christian mom to her. Mm. I will dedicate her um, to him to raise her up, right? All right, everybody. Welcome to Bible Line. I'm your host, Jesse Martinez. And today we are going to interview Kaylee. She's here in the studio. Kaylee, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Kaylee's been coming to Calvary since July or June of 22. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yes. She has a great testimony, great story, and I thought it would be good to catch this on camera. So go ahead and share with us your background and how you came to faith in Christ. Okay, so I was always a Christian. I was raised Christian. So as long as I can remember, I was in, you know, Christian's like little preschool and mm-hmm. everything. Um, but we kind of, we went to a bunch of different churches growing up. We went to a couple of Baptist churches, mostly Methodist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I always sat in the big big sermon church. I didn't want to go to Sunday school for some reason. I wanted to be with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really just above my head. Um, one thing, especially yeah. about Methodist churches, they're very ritualistic. So, yes. you know, you get through all the singing and the parts and the pomp and circumstance. And then there's a quick 20 minute, maybe sermon. Yeah. And I never really understood it. Um, and I don't even remember them giving the gospel at the end. But by that time, as a kid, especially, I was zoned out, ready for, you know, us to go to Pizza Hut. That's <laughs> what so we did after church. We went to the Pizza Hut in Brandon, which is no longer there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really have an understanding of, you know, who Christ was as a savior. I knew mm-hmm. him as a person and I knew the little stories about, you know, Jonah and Noah. But I didn't really know and understand who he was until I was 17. And at that time I was going to a church with um, a boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we had a sermon on hell by a missionary. Mm -hmm. It was missions week. And so he gave that sermon on hell. And that was really the first time that I was kind of like scared into believing because it was a very powerful sermon you know talking about hell is a real place and all the bad things that go along with it and that just really wasn't anything that had been taught previously even by our pastor at the church Mm -hmm. so he did give a clear gospel at the end of the the message and i decided then to trust christ as my savior because Mm -hmm. i was terrified yes at that point to be honest you know that's not a that's not a bad you know like it's one of those things where um i know you've said this when you've been witnessing like well if i'm wrong i'm gonna go to hell but if i'm or you know if i let's see 
If I'm yeah, wrong in believing, yeah, the atheist the who believes everything just kind of ends. Right. If 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 I'm wrong about Jesus being real and mm-hmm. it ends, it doesn't matter. But if I was wrong and he is real, I'm gonna end up in yeah. this place. And you have that to I answer don't for be yourself. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, <clears throat> you know, I'm definitely I'm gonna go ahead and believe this. Um, and so I believe at that point I was saved, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of follow up after that. I didn't yeah. give much more thought into growing or reading my bible or really doing anything that i should have done um there wasn't a lot of emphasis on that in that church or really in any of the other churches that i've been to um you know as a child and then a young adult so after i was saved i didn't feel any different i still kind of saw you know these other christians who just really had something different that i didn't have and i didn't know how to achieve that they just seemed happy whatever may come you know like they could Mm -hmm. be in just the worst circumstance and just have all these trials and trials but always have a smile on their face and i just was thinking like well maybe i'm not really saved like i don't feel like that like what can you lose your salvation we had um a pastor who was kind of giving conflicting messages about well if you're in this type of sin and you don't turn from that then you aren't really saved and backloading the gospel. So it's free in the beginning, but if you don't have certain works then it never really happens. Right. Did it, is it really a guarantee? So, so you know, I've had this, this person tell me, well, no, it's forever. But then I'm having our pastor say, "Eh, maybe, maybe not. And then Mm. same with the Methodist background. There's a lot of like, you know, like prayer is a good example. Prayer was very formal in the Methodist yes. church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I didn't feel like if I wasn't at night completely focused on my knees, like mm-hmm. praying as hard as I could, then God couldn't hear me. I was very formulaic. Yeah. So the relationship aspect just wasn't even there. Like I didn't even know how to have a relationship with Christ and God um, at that point. And I did feel like as a young, young kid, you do have that like kind of innocent relationship where you you feel God as a father just because you hopefully come from a good household. And I did. So I I knew what a father figure should be. And then I'm hearing little bits and pieces about God, the father and not the judge. But Mm -hmm. I didn't see any growth at that point, you know. So after I left that church because I moved to Orlando for college, Mm -hmm. I didn't really find any churches in Orlando, um, Mm -hmm. definitely didn't live like a Christian throughout college. And it really kind of went to the back of my mind. Um, so I wasn't thinking about it eventually made it through college and moved back here to Tampa with my family Mm -hmm. and started attending their church, which was a very, very small church. It was actually a lot of family members that Mm -hmm. had kind of come together to create this church. And, that was the first time that I had had it was it was a Baptist church, but the the preacher there gave a clear gospel message every week, and it was the same. It was just always the same kind of formulaic thing, which mm-hmm. um, was the first time that I had seen that done. And he did yeah. it in a way that was very clear and understanding, um, easy to understand. So that's when I really felt like I okay, I knew that yes, I am saved, and I did believe at at that point when I was seventeen. I was saved. I just had all these mis- misinformation yes. that was confusing me and mm-hmm. keeping me from growing in any way. Right. So when I was saved that time, or I won't say it's saved again, but assured mm-hmm. of my salvation, right. yep. um, that's when I decided to get baptized. So I was mm-hmm. baptized there. 
And we really had a good relationship at that church. But when COVID happened, it was too small. So and we, we had we had a lot of older people in the ministry. Mm-hmm. It was it was mostly older people in the ministry yeah. and they really couldn't do online services. And we just didn't have the funds to make it through the whole lockdown yeah. period. Um, so that church closed. The pastor eventually left ministry and it was really devastating, to be honest, just because you felt like you had this small little church family. And then I tried half-heartedly searching for another church near our house because at that time um, my husband and I had our daughter Mm -hmm. and so we really wanted to raise her in a church and it was it was not looking promising um Mm. we live hard we where we live we're in forest hills and there's a whole line of churches on line ball I mean just church after church after church and then right up past that there's more and I looked at Methodist, um, Church of Christ, um, Protestant. There was even a Seventh-day Adventist church right there, which I didn't really explore. But, I mean, they're just, they're all there. And then everything I would see, they were giving either inconsistent gospels. I would just look online um, at their services. Or they didn't have a thriving kids program. We mm-hmm. found one that was seemed to be promising. We liked the messages, but there just really wasn't there weren't any kids mm. and we needed that to be important so that my daughter didn't end up like I had where she's just sitting in an adult conversation yeah. because you just they're, they're kids they can't right. understand it on that level um then we found a Methodist church that I was pretty sure we were going to go to but then that was when everything come up about the split in the Methodist church yes, that which is actually about to happen. This is, yeah. It's going to be major. Um, <laughs> so that really just put me off from religion because yeah. that's where I was just like, I mean, if these people who are supposed to be trained and know the Bible and know God's word mm-hmm. are so conflicted on it, like how am I ever supposed to interpret it? You know, I was kind of dabbling in reading the Bible, but not really. And it just, it really put me off from from going to church in general. So at that point, it just didn't look like it was going to be something that we were going to do. And my husband and I were just like, well, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time, we yeah. tried. For like, it was a year and a half, I feel like, that we, we really were looking for a church and could not find anything. Mm. So, um, so that was, let's see, that was the summer of... What is, I don't even know. I guess 2021, 2021 was that summer. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, like for so many people, our life changed in an instant. Mm. Um, my daughter who was 18 months old at the time got very ill. Um, she was very lethargic, had a bit of a cold. So we were keeping an eye on her and, um, started to come out of it fever was going down Mm -hmm. i left her with my mom to babysit for the day because i had a prenatal appointment because i was eight months pregnant with our second child our son Mm. and when i got home from the appointment which lasted forever i mean they were like a three-hour appointment (laughs) (laughs) by the time you're done with the waiting and everything so i come home and my mom's in the rocking chair with my daughter and she's kind of she's asleep and that's how i left them in the rocking chair asleep um so i was like how's she doing my mom's like well she's not hot anymore you know she's just been sleeping and i'm like 
she's been sleeping this whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she was still pretty young, but her naps were not all afternoon. Um, so that kind of gave me a bad vibe. Um, so we decided to call the pediatrician, the after hour pediatrician. So that was at like four o'clock about the time that I got home. So the pediatrician opened at five, you have to call and make an appointment. So of course, you know, everyone calls at five. So we got her an appointment for about seven Mm o'clock. And at that point, I really wasn't thinking it was so serious that we needed to go to an emergency room. I just Mm -hmm. figured, okay, we'll take her to the after hours, get her checked out, maybe get her some medicine. To be honest, we thought it was COVID. We mm-hmm. were thinking like, okay, that was a symptom. At she's time, she's yeah. caught COVID because she's she's little. She can't tell me does she have a headache. It, yeah. Can she taste? You know. So we were thinking, okay, she might have COVID. Let's go get her tested. Um, so I remember taking her into the emergent the the after hours pediatrics, and they did all the tests and they the lady was very sweet and she was asking me like well have you given her tylenol and i said well yeah i did and her fever is down and all of her vitals seemed normal so the, the doctor was very nice but she said i i hate to do this to you because you're obviously very pregnant but you need to go to the the emergency room because mm-hmm. at that point she was negative for covid and she said she may have some sort of just you know like some flu or virus that like St. Joseph's Children's Hospital is better equipped to test for all these specialty things that that she might have that we yeah. just don't have the testing capability. And she's still like lethargic almost. She was very sleepy. She was very, yeah. very sleepy. Just kind of I would wake her up and she'd just look around and then just basically go right back to sleep. Hmm. So the ride from the pediatric to the hospital seemed to take forever. And it was still one of those things where we weren't, rushing (laughs) like looking back on it it just it was we didn't know where we were going so we actually parked in the wrong parking garage and went in and then they had to tell us to go around so like there was just a lot of time lost where we were thinking okay she's got some sort of viral infection you know so really i was just dreading having to sit in an emergency room at Mm -hmm. you know now 10 o'clock at night um by myself because my husband was not allowed in um, right. because, because of the, the COVID, COVID yeah. protocols. So, you know, everybody's still wearing masks. One person could go in with a minor. Um, so I went in, I checked in, and it was just, I mean, it was packed. There was like no place to sit. It was just completely packed, and yeah. I'm just starting to have a full-on panic attack. I've been prone to anxiety um, for most of my life, and I'm just like, the sweat is coming. I'm just like, my heart is racing. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to sit here for four plus hours mm. and get through this? So I sit down by this water fountain thing and there's these bubbles and I thought, oh, well, that's cute. At least they've got something to look at. So I turned to Tulua and I'm like, Tulua, look at the, look at the bubbles. Aren't they pretty? And she just, she didn't wake up. And as I'm looking at her, I'm just thinking at this point, she's basically in a coma. Like, mm. I can't wake her up. She's very pale, just limp, just not what you want to see in your 18-month-old daughter. Yeah. Um. So at that moment, I just completely lost it in my head. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, she's dying. What mm. am I going to do? So I did the only thing that I think someone in that position, when you're so desperate, can do. And I just, I cried out to God. I just... Mm was not used to praying. I was not used to anything at that point, but mm. I just, 
I just said, God, I need your help. I cannot do this. Tell me what to do. And I just, I heard his voice clear as if he was sitting next to me. Mm. And he said, you need to go back to the receptionist and get her seen right away. And I did because, you know, God tells you to do something and you jump on it. It was startling. It was just one of those things where it's never happened before. But I'm like, that this is what I'm supposed to do. So I just felt a strength and a peace come over me that I have just never felt before. It was just completely surreal. So I got up, I took her to the receptionist and I'm almost in tears, but I I told her like, look, I don't want to cut the line because I'm still worried about, you know, other people. (laughs) So I'm like, I don't want to cut the line. I don't want to be that mom that is saying, you know, my child needs attention more than anyone else. But Mm -hmm. I said, I can't wake her up. And I mean, she could look and see. I'm like, I can't wake her up. Just in the, in the hour that we left from her pediatric appointment to now, she just has gone downhill like quick quick so I said she's she's not gonna last another three hours which was what the wait time was so the lady was very nice and she she looked at her and she said let me let me get her vitals let me see if we can get triage her into triage and they can take her vitals and see you know if if it's an emergency and they need to take her back so I said okay so I remember they went to take us back and there was even an altercation with another lady who was like they had to call them the police in because mm. You know, it's um, such a Saint, delicate time. St. Joseph's is right off of MLK. And there's just, you know, yeah. there was a lot of kids in there who I, I don't know. They, they're they coughing or have aches and pains. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did feel bad because I, I know she was like, this lady just got here. You know, yeah. why is she going in already? And the nurse didn't even. She just literally was like, I need security. And then took me back. So, wow. um. So we go back and again, I'm still apologizing to the nurse. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to cut the line. I just, something is not right. Yeah. Some Something is wrong. And I even knew in my head, if they hadn't taken me back, I was going to go outside and call 911 to get an yeah. ambulance. Because if you have an ambulance, you go right in. So right. I already had like my plan of attack that God had given me. But luckily they took her in to see her. Same thing. Vitals are all normal. Her, she has no fever. Her heart rate is fine, so this this nurse asked to check her um, her blood sugar to the other one who was doing all this stuff, and he checked her blood sugar, and I'm just, you know, sitting there with her, and their blood sugar, he says, it's over 500, which I don't know what that means, you know, and mm-hmm. so very calmly, the lady was like, okay, has she ever been checked for diabetes? And I was like, <laughs> she's 18 months old. Yeah. No. She's eight. No. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's 18 months old. Yeah. Like, why would I have her chest tested for diabetes? And um, so she was like, OK, well, we're going to we're going to take her back and see her because her blood sugar level is is high. Mm-hmm. I did not know how high it actually was at the time. So we take her back and um, everyone was just very calm. I just I just appreciate every single person I came into contact with. They were all just, they're all special people. And I really believe they were all touched by God because mm. they, they they never let me know that she was like, she was on her way out. It was tough. Um, it was, it mm. was very, very tough. They had to put IVs in, couldn't get the IVs in because um, her body was basically in diabetic ketoacidosis. So yep. her cells are starving because they can't get the energy that they need and the sugar built up in your body. So it just is a bad situation. 
Um, it's deadly. People die from that. It, they do. Yeah. I mean, another couple of hours and and she wouldn't have made it. Like mm. they it wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do anything for her. So. And you were eight months pregnant. Yes. So finally, yeah. like the doctor who came in and she even said she was like, your mom instinct saved her. Mm. And she also wanted to give props to the receptionist who didn't just blow me off and mm. who listened to me and got, got her back there. So this whole time I'm just praying and... They finally let the end come in, which I don't know if that was a good thing or not, because that's a that's a rough thing for him to walk into. I already know kind yeah. of what's going on. He walks into and they've got the sonograms out trying to get these IVs in. Mm. And it was a very overwhelming. overwhelming, overwhelming situation. And just the whole time, I just remember saying, God, give me strength, because all of the things that I'm not good with, like not really good with needles, not good with blood, like you're just faced with all of these things like on your kid yeah and i remember the they they kept saying you know well is anyone in your family diabetic and i'm like well yeah my my uncle is diabetic so i'm trying to text my mom to find out more about my uncle's diagnosis and so then my poor mom of course who couldn't come either is just freaking out yeah trying to text me and call the end but we can't deal with that so um, so eventually we got her upstairs into ICU. She was in the pediatric ICU for that night and I think half of another day. And then they moved her into a normal room. Um, so I remember the whole time just going through a lot of emotions. And I really feel like at that point, my faith was solidified because, you know, I had to face the mortality of a child. And I think a lot of the times when we think about our own mortality, we don't consider it very much. Like Mm -hmm. it just seems like, oh yeah, well, if I die, I'll go to heaven. Like if, like it's going to like happen one day for sure, but you just don't really see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you're faced with the loss of a child or a loved one, Mm. that's when it really was like, okay, I have two roads here that could possibly happen. If she dies, she's just going to, cease to exist Mm. or if she dies she'll be with jesus and i knew in that moment like she's gonna be with jesus Mm. like from everything that i had been taught i just i knew it and that's when i decided okay she's gonna be raised in a christian household i will be a christian mom to her Mm. i will dedicate her um to him to Mm. raise her up right and talon as well which he came a couple months later everyone at the time was praying that i did not go into labor they Mm. were really worried about me going into labor (laughs) so that was another praise for him that i was able to get through it without going into premature labor Mm -hmm. and so he he brought her through and i think i really believe that you know i'm raising her now in a way that she should be raised um, just with a love of God, with what I didn't have, you know, a thorough understanding of the Bible and being able to spread the gospel, hopefully to other people yeah. and understand it so that at a young age, she'll be able to tell her friends like, yeah. hey, look, this is what happens. Like, this is what you need to do. Um, but my problem there was I still had no idea how to do any of this. Right, because you had just been looking. Because I had been looking, I still had my like little bits and pieces of all these different denominations that Mm -hmm. had like, oh, you told me this and this and this and most stuff you forget, but then you end up with a smorgasbord of how 
to do things. Right. Um, and I, I now know not, not a single one of them ever really teach you how to grow. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to a friend about this where we feel like a lot of the mega churches, because I went to a mega church for a while, they're really keen on getting people in and getting them saved. But then yeah. once that happens, there's not a lot of like emphasis on growth. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you can serve, but there's no real meat to the sermons. Yeah. It's more just the same old thing like over I, and over. From my assessment with, with mega churches and my personal experience, they're very business oriented. So mm-hmm. it's almost like they, they're trying to like build a customer base mm-hmm. and then they want those customers to become customers that buy product and that would be yes. tithes and offerings and signing up for recurring donations and stuff. But as soon as you move from a first time visitor to a regular if someone doesn't snatch you up into like a Bible study group or mm-hmm. <clears throat> a community service outreach or whatever, you just get, you're just part of those people that in a couple of months you'll be gone. Yeah. And in the mind of that mega church, I can't prove this or not. It's just from my analysis. It's more important to get the first contact mm-hmm. and then everything else after that, you know, and sadly, a lot of these mega churches don't even have the gospel correct. Yeah. So they get people trusting in themselves and then they find out this place, there's a bunch of hypocrites because most of the people that are attending the church there aren't growing. So there's bitterness, there's preference. You know, Mm -hmm. like James says, you give the rich man the nice place to sit, but the poor beggar, you you treat him, you know, you're a respecter of persons. Yeah. I think that's happening a lot in mega churches. It's like the respecter of persons is, oh, first time visitor. My brother was dating this girl who came to church a couple of years, well, I always say a couple of years ago, and then I realized like it's actually like <laughs> it's five plus. Age but several <laughs> years ago, she came, and you know she came from the local mega church here, where it's like rock concert, like yeah, high emotional stuff. But she had been going there for a while, and she came to our church with my with my brother, and I asked her. I said, you know, how'd you find us? Well, I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm dating your brother, and he was you know talking about. I think it was a holiday or something. That's why they were here, and she said, what I really like about this church is like we were in the Bible. The lights were on. They were bright. Yes. And for me, I'm just kind of going, I, I didn't even preach that day. And I, I remember like it hit me. I was like, what is happening here? And just the way things are run at, at Calvary is unique. It, it is. It's a lot of places are yes. very cut and, you know, copy and paste, copy and paste. It's like, we're going to be the seeker sensitive and we're just going to bloop, plop it in there. And I think people are getting tired of that because mm-hmm. they're trying to find the truth, but they actually just walk into a business that wants to sell them religion. Yeah. And they want to sell them emotion too. They want to sell them that dopamine. Like we want to get you feeling good. Like God loves you. He's never going to be mean to you. But if they're coming in there as an unsaved person, the wrath of God abides over them. Yes. Like they need to get saved. <laughs> But they never hear that. No. And then they, they sell you books and merchandise and Bible studies and stuff. and Well, definitely in the tithes and offerings. That yeah. was very much like, oh, tithing challenge right around Christmas. Oh, like, yeah. um, And in lot numbers-based, very numbers-based. Mm-hmm. Like, look how much we did for the community. And it's, you know, in the millions. And I just, mm. that that's a bad thing. But <laughs> what's it just the, What's seems, the end goal there? Yeah. Are we leading people to Christ or are we just kind of building a reputation of a ministry that can has a lot of financial prowess. And it's very appealing. I mean, I at first <clears throat> wasn't like too keen on it. And then I thought, oh, well, this, you know, this is nice. And 
I was I was there for oh gosh probably I don't know several months maybe a year mm. and I, it just it just kind of eventually you, like if you are saved I feel like the Holy Spirit's kind of like oh yeah I mean hmm, I don't I don't know about this like the what? Bible tells us the Holy Spirit <laughs> leads us guides us directs us in all truth it, so it does and so so I definitely decide well and also so having now okay so having my daughter and wanting to leave her in a church Mm -hmm. we had the added challenge of i have a diabetic daughter who is a baby essentially i mean that's a new diagnosis at this point new diagnosis i have done all of her care Mm. um everything and so you can imagine i'm a type a person anyways i mean i'm very strict on my schedule and leaving her even with my mom when we had had talon and i had to leave her with my mom because i didn't have any choice Mm was hard um so then i have the other feeling of just how am i going to find a church where i can leave her like in the yeah. nursery or sunday school like how am i and ever... you're still trying to like find a church in general right and so, so the you, pressure's mounting. it is mounting because i'm like you know the mega churches you you check them in it's almost like chuck e cheese like you you <laughs> you you know you go in you get your number they check them in you check them out there's computer screens and it just yeah. was so overwhelming because then you don't even know the people they're constantly rotating mm, yeah and it was just too big so i'm like all right mm. Maybe go back to my roots, try and find more of a traditional church, but not so traditional that it's just the formulaic rituals. Right. Yep. Um, so I I prayed about it, which is a great something thing to do. <laughs> that I've learned. And I have to always remind myself, pray first. Like, yes. why is it so hard to remember to do that? Mm. Our flesh nature is against it. But it, it works. It I mean, does. It, Every time I have remembered to just, if I'm struggling or give, I, I just pray about it. Nine times out of 10, I get an answer almost immediately. And it might mm. not be what I want to hear, but it's still an answer. What so a testimony to prayer. Yeah. I, yes, I, so I prayed about it. I went to Google and I prayed, just please, please let us find a church that we can all agree on and just has a good children's ministry, has a clear gospel. So I typed in on Google I typed in small traditional church Tampa and I got this like list from some random third party website and I'm going through them and I'm trying to like, you know, I click on one and I check the reviews because I'm a millennial, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm clicking and checking and I get to one that's that's Calvary Church. And so I'm like, okay, it had good reviews. Mm-hmm. And so I basically took a screenshot of it and so I'd remember the name. So that Sunday, I was coming with um, Tolua because my husband, Theon, was home with Talon. He was mm-hmm. still a baby. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we weren't even attempting to try out nurseries. I was just taking Tolua with me, and we were sitting in on Regular the services. Service, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I get in the car. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to check what the name was. It's Calvary. I can remember that. So I Googled Calvary, Calvary Church, and it comes up, and it's Calvary Community Church here on George Street. So... I go here, you know, I pull in. Later on, I realized that was not the Calvary <laughs> Church that I was intending to go to. That's my favorite part of <laughs> this part of your testimony. It's like, it was, it's, it's Calvary. It's all good. It, it was not Calvary. It might have been Calvary Chapel. I have no idea. That's there are a the lot one. of Calvary. There's a huge <laughs> association of Calvary Chapels. And yes. most of the time when people come visit us, they're kind of surprised because... They're like, where's the stage and the music and stuff? But 
Yeah, people so, uh, misassociate us all the time with Calvary Chapel. <laughs> so either way, God brought us Amen. here, yep, and I, I remember we were slightly late, you know. I'm worried, like I'm thinking, oh great, you know, I'm already showing up late to the first service. Like we missed the prayer and everything, but um, we walk in. Steve was there to welcome us. Good <laughs> yeah. old Steve, you know, nice old man comes out, like, hey, how you doing? And Puts us in a little seat in the back because um, he mentioned the nursery. He said, I'm just going to keep her with me because she was very clingy. She was a yeah. COVID baby. So she was born two weeks before lockdown. So mm. this poor child has never been. I mean, she yeah. went to the grocery store at six months old. It was the mm. first time she ever went out. Yeah. And <laughs> so, even then it was probably. Masks and yeah. just. Yeah, we. I mean, I can't imagine what she would think like the first time people didn't have masks on. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably very strange for her to understand. Oh, there's all sorts of studies on that too and impact of speech impediments and stuff. But Yeah. <laughs> so, so you get here. So I get here, we walk in, and nothing but the blood of Jesus is playing, which mm. is just like one of my favorite songs. It's traditional. It's not mm. all the new stuff, which there's a place for the new stuff, but mm. those hymns are just... They're just scripture. Yes. And most, I yep. just, I welled up inside. And as I'm sitting down, I had tears in my eyes. And I was just like, this is where we're supposed to be. And after that, um, uh, I remember Steve came back to talk to me when we were leaving about the nursery. And Megan was coming by. Megan, yeah. And absolutely. she, he, Steve asked, can you take her back to the nursery? He said, yeah. And so Megan took us back to the nursery and showed us where it was. And I loved that it was it was right here in the same building. It was right yeah. down the hall. There was a sweet old lady in there. <laughs> and so through a lot of work, we were able to finally get her in the nursery and then Talon too. Yeah. Um, because she has a lot of needs. She yeah. does have a lot of needs. And it was it was hard at first to kind of explain everything. Luckily, we we're very blessed to have the Dexcom and the Omnipod pumps. Right to manage it to where it's pretty much on auto, but mm -hmm. you know, it just for me to, to let her. There's a level of trust. There is a huge there level is, of trust. There is. And now I, I just always try to tell myself, be careful for nothing. Don't yes, worry about anything. Just, I mean, it's like my mantra all the mm. time. Be careful for nothing. He'll keep her safe. Um, yes. And so she, she did not, did not like being in that nursery boy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Dan and I said we sat right by like the hall door so that we yeah. could leave if we needed to. Yeah. And I remember oh, when you guys first just were here. Cry yeah, and cry. And then <laughs> Miss Tracy, she met Miss Tracy and um Tracy comes by and I'm trying to convince her to go in there and Tracy's like, Oh, do you want to watch a movie? Mm -hmm. And my child, who does not typically watch TV, was like, TV? <laughs> <laughs> A movie? Yeah. <laughs> and so Tracy put that movie on and that was it. She Aww. was like, oh, this is fun. And then she graduated to Sunday school. Yeah. And um, now she's in Awana. Yeah. So she's learning scripture. She's learning scripture. She's already saved at three and a half years old. Mm. She just, she's so sweet. I was trying to give her the gospel one day and she's just like, mommy, I already believed. Like, wow. I already did that. See, that <laughs> I, I think some people would like gloss over that, but that is so important. It is. And she's it's she so important. Is, at three and a half, she's a smart three and a half. And yeah. she she really understands. She knows right from wrong. And she is 100% able to understand, yeah. you know, who Jesus is. And it was so sweet. When we first started getting her into Sunday school, she was always wanting to see Jesus. She was mm. always just like, 
is Jesus going to be on the school bus? <laughs> where is he? You know, yeah. it took a lot to explain to her where he was. Yeah. But um, just since then, we've had like some deaths through family, friends and all. And so it's always been a good experience for her to understand like, you know, what, oh, this person has died, but they believed in Jesus. And yeah. so, you know, they're going to be in heaven. And one day mommy and daddy will be in heaven and hopefully Talon and, you know, you will be with us too since you have trusted on him as your savior. Yes. So I love that. And I love the idea, you know, that one saved, always saved, because I yes. know no matter what happens in her lifetime, she will be with him. And hopefully I will raise her the way that I'm supposed to. And she won't, yeah. you know, go back and forth on that. But I still have the peace of mind knowing like, okay, Yes, she will be in heaven one day. And that mm. that's hard to, you know, to come to terms with. But especially with her just being, you know, having this chronic illness, I have to be okay with, you know, just giving her to God completely. Like, I have yes. no control over it. That was, that was the hardest thing that I think I had to learn was to submit. I am not mm. a submitter. Mm. <laughs> I do not like obeying other people. Mm. I like to do it my way. Yeah. And... Even after I found Calvary and I, you know, was was trying to do things the right way, I still had my own wants and I just regretted, I won't say I regretted, I resented being a mom. Like, mm. I really felt like, okay, this is what God had for me. Like, just the way that everything in my life has played out, like, mm. this is what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time, like, it was hard to give up all that I gave up. Like, I'm in, was in my 30s when I had mm. her, so... I already had a career that I then left to be mm. a full-time stay-at-home mom. I won't go back to work because she needs my care. So it's like I've now committed at least 18 plus years mm -hmm. of my life to the homeschool, you know, just being dedicated to her. And that's hard to do, I think, especially when you have already had your life and you've had your me time as an American, mm -hmm. especially it's just like, Oh, it's like well, shut down people's throats. No, right? I know this is like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an American. I'm supposed to be independent. I'm supposed to make my own way. I'm, why would I serve people? Like you always yeah. get like that cringe when, you know, husbands submit or wives submit to your husbands. And I love how you gave that clear, like context. Well, it's not oppressive mm -hmm. in any way. It's like, yeah. Everyone should submit to everybody because you want to submit yourself ultimately Especially when you're talking to God. About with the body of Christ, we submit to what the head, which right. is the Lord. And that's and so many people miss that. They make they the do. husband the Lord. <laughs> and that's that's kind no, of that old timey like, stuff that leaks in and it's not proper Bible. It's not. Right. And and I hear it all the time. Like yeah. all the time, especially now talking to more people openly about my faith and what mm -hmm. I believe and just getting a lot of those like kickbacks, like, well, you know, it's outdated or it's this or yes. that. And and it's like, well, no, you need to look at the whole picture, but yes. it's just they cherry pick. Oh, yeah. And they make the worst fruit salad of scripture. It's like, <laughs> how did you get to this conclusion? But that's our focus here at Calvary and even with our YouTube channel. It's like, we're going to show you what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. We're going to compare what other people say about the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And if that person is speaking in line with scripture, well, that's good. Yeah. But if they're speaking out of line with scripture, we need to let the scripture stand. Yeah. And we need to pray for that person to come to a change of mind so that they start saying what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't get all that in one sermon. No. <laughs> and and that's, that, that's what I think, too, with your family, you guys being able to 
be here and you're not just um, passively participating, meaning like, you know, you're showing up, mm -hmm. but there's something actually for you to do. And that's what I like about the passive participation aspect. Like that's not what you guys are doing. You're not just coming to church, warming a pew and expecting the church to do all the work in your family. Like you guys are actually taking what you're learning and you're applying it to your life. Mm -hmm. James talks about that. John talks about that. Be not a hearer only, but a hearer and a doer. John says not, you know, love not only in word, but in deed and in truth. So there is an expectation for believers to actually take what you learn and put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now you have the opportunity, you know, we have one piano player and we want to make sure we have more so that not all the responsibility is laid on her. And now here you are. Here I am. You have some piano <laughs> skill, but it required work. And now, you know, I you're am. playing the piano on I Sunday am. nights. I am. I am. And so like, and I hadn't played since 2008, basically. And <laughs> yeah. I just kept putting it off and putting it off. But I really had a burden to like, okay, you guys need this. And like, it's not what I would have picked to do. Mm. But so much has happened since I submitted and, mm. and started Allowed to God do that. To start working. Like I started getting up early to practice because mm. it just wasn't working trying to practice with the kids up. And I knew I had to get up earlier because if I get up before the kids, my whole day is just better. Like I yeah. have that time to myself. And now, especially just playing the piano, playing these hymns that just mm -hmm. really have scripture built in. And just, I, I, I just, my day is just so much better. But I was against that. I'm like, no, I want my sleep. Like mm -hmm. I just, I can't do that right now. But I could, and God knew that I could. Mm -hmm. So once I submitted to him and submitted to what he wanted, and now Tolua is trying to play piano with me. She's just always like, your music is so pretty. So like, <laughs> I've always, like, I'm already instilling in her, you know, diligence, yes. like practice, practice, mm -hmm. study your verses. Mommy's practicing the piano. It's just like that, you know? Yes. And so really just, just serving is where I ended up getting my joy from. So mm. that was the big thing that has changed for me in my life is going from, and I'm not like happy-go-lucky all the time because I still have my trials. I still have stress, especially mm -hmm. surrounding a child with a chronic illness and mm -hmm. just having two kids that are 20 months apart. But <laughs> um, that was God's doing too. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, let's have them like two, two and a half years apart. Nope, 20 years apart. That's Or 20 months apart. That's that's what you're going to get. So, <laughs> And children are a blessing. They, I mean, they, they, are, they are so sweet. But they are work too, though. So work. much work. <laughs> Nobody tells you that. But just... Having having that joy now, and I realize nobody really talks about how to grow from the baby believer into a mature believer. Mm -hmm. And you always hear about it. I was talking to you before about like the hope, like, oh, Christians have the hope, so they need to have joy in the hope. But nobody ever said what the hope was, was that <laughs> Jesus was coming back. Like, Absolutely. that's what you hope for. You yes. hope for him to return. And so you want to live your best life because... Mm -hmm. You want the rewards in heaven. Again, something I had never heard of. It was mm. just kind of like, okay, well, now that I'm saved, I won't come under judgment. So why do I have a reason to turn from my sin? You know, mm -hmm. like, why would I want to do that? Um, so even though I knew it wasn't a requirement to be saved to turn from your sin, mm -hmm. like, I didn't realize that once once I kind of let those things go mm -hmm. and I started focusing on serving him and serving him from a place of 
of love and yes, realizing that it. that's the big he thing. is not this scary big deity that mm-hmm. i have to be afraid of where i was when i was 17 you know oh my gosh this god is gonna send me to hell if mm-hmm. i don't believe so you know all you hear about it in a lot of places is the fire and brimstone mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just nothing but like yeah. fire and brimstone all day long but then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where it's just god is love and right Oh, tolerance you know, and everything's tolerance. good there's no concern no worries yep. you know license to sin because oh, yeah. he, you know god loves you but no it's like there's this medium that the truth is in mm-hmm. there's always a truth in between the two, two opposites yeah. and so now that i have you know fully read the gospel the new testament and seen jesus as like a person mm-hmm. and i can i know that he like relates to my struggles like Hebrews a lot Ford of things goes into that that he's been been, he's experienced everything that we have but he was without sin Mm -hmm. so he's the only person that could look at us and say i do know how you feel i know and and i can i can feel that now and so i i want to do better because i want to please him like i want to be you know, in a good place when I get to heaven. Yeah. I always joke. I'm <laughs> You'll like, be in the best place. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want my rewards to be burned up and then, you know, end up cleaning the mansions all day long because that would be me. <laughs> Some think there's purgatory. I think I would be forever cleaning. <laughs> Laundry galore. <laughs> so, so what would you say to somebody as we kind of like come to a close? I mean, you've shared a lot. and we, I, I mean, I'm always encouraged by it. Just hearing everybody's unique perspective, but specifically what you've gone through with like major life altering news mm-hmm. and not necessarily about you, about your child. You're involved in that because you're doing the care, your husband as well. But coming from your salvation experience to searching to having this need, God meeting the need, and now you're growing. What would you say to the person who's maybe where you were? What kind of encouragement would you give to them? I would say that... It does get better. That was one thing that everyone in the hospital tells you. It'll be a new normal. It does get better. And at the time, you just want to strangle them because mm. Yeah, because you're not tough. on that side yet. It is tough. And yeah. like I later on at an appointment a year after Tulu was diagnosed, there was a brand new family in there getting mm. the same meal that we did a year ago. And I know it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Mm. And when you fully give your life and especially your children over to him and say, look, I can be okay Mm -hmm. with whatever outcome. I may not want her to, you know, get sick or to pass away, but I know like either God will, he, he can heal her. He can heal her and be a testimony to others, you know, that this has happened or, you know, he can keep her healthy by, you know, giving us these devices that, that do that. Or, you know, if he calls her home, then she will be with him. Yes. And especially mm. in the tor- turmoil that has come about politically where, you know, we have these devices for her care that are internationally made. I mean, all mm. the components come from all these different places around the globe. And when you think you see war breaking out here, you see this and that, like, if you try and just control it or if you just worry about it constantly, you will not have any peace and it won't help anything. Like it will not prevent what will come. Yes. So you really just have to focus on your relationship with God and know that like he he has all of us in his hands and mm. just know like he is 
he's there for you and he's there for you in a in a relationship sort of way like if you're mad because this has happened i have gone to him mad i mean i Mm -hmm. have just cried and just been a mess and say like why her why not Mm -hmm. me like am i being punished like did i do something wrong and i just have been able to vent to him which I didn't realize you could do. Like none of the other, like those more formal religious churches just kind of make it seem like it's bad to ever have any sort of like human feelings towards God. Mm-hmm. But God created us. Like mm-hmm. like you said, Jesus has felt these feelings. Mm-hmm. So just being able to really work through my emotions directly with him and have someone there for me, like saying, you know, it'll be okay. And just, I really feel like, I just I give everything to him now, and I yes. still worry all the time. I have to constantly tell myself, like, "Got that flesh nature." We be all careful do. <laughs> for nothing. Come on, Kaylee. Like, <laughs> but just since I have changed my attitude and my mindset, and really started serving and putting others first, which again that was the hardest thing for me to do. I was very I'm an only child from a mm. divorced family. Mm. Everything was centered around me for yeah. my entire life. So for then me to have to completely switch and now I have children. Like they need to be my priority. God yes. needs to be my priority. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I always get the like, oh, you're so busy. Why would you want to add anything else onto your plate? And it's like, well, since I've started adding more, I really have felt more joy. And yes. there's just been more, more blessings. I mean, random things that have happened where like, I wasn't sure, you know, looking at finances. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this this month. And then I get in the mail a a $30 credit from mm. getting my kids their their physicals. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that this was coming. It was literally like mm. two hours after <laughs> I'm like, okay, just need 20 bucks to get this. And here $30 just appears. Yeah. I mean, that's not a coincidence. They can't be. Yeah. So once you just start trusting and looking for it, I mean, yeah. that was really the hard thing is just when you're trying to strong arm God into your own will. I tell people that all the time. Be careful. It, it, you, you rob yourself. Cause, you cause really a lot of people, yourself. they'll go to God and they're upset, but then they don't apply the truth that God has told them. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's important to know the word. So then they, they go to God upset and they leave upset. So then they they do exactly what you said. I mean, it's a great it's a great way to put it. They strong arm their will mm-hmm. and try to make it God's will. And it's like, well, first of all, that is not going to work. And the only result there is deception. Yeah. So people start living these, and even believers, born again, they're going to heaven, but because they don't have the word, meaning they don't read their Bibles and and they're not in a church that's promoting growth, they start to just choke themselves out. And it's really sad. And then they end up. Sadly, a lot of people, they pass that down to their kids and, you know, we all get, I've, I've heard people say like, well, I'm just God's uh, rotten stepchild or something. And, and it's like, no, you're a child of God. The problem is you're not doing the things that promote growth. Like, do you love the Lord? I mean, that's what Jesus asked Peter mm-hmm. three times. And there's a reason why he asked him three times, not just because Peter had denied him three times before. It's not just that numerology part of it. He's asking him because the answer that Peter's giving is not what Jesus is asking. Yeah. Jesus is saying, do you love me like in an unconditional committed way? Like I demonstrated my love for you. And Peter's saying like, you're my brother. Like you're my, not his physical brother, but like you're my friend. Mm -hmm. I I love you in that sense. The word is different. 
And then when Jesus asked him a third time, he uses the same word that Peter used. Do you just love me as a brother, so to speak? And that's when Peter was like, oh, man, I, ha- I have work to do. Yeah. But then the great thing with that was God still used him. Jesus still said, go feed the sheep. Yeah. Like it will, th- these things, you allow me to work through you. He said that in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Then the, the, the fruit will come. You just stay close to me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I, I am seeing in your testimony and in many people's testimony in our ministry. People are learning to stay close to the Savior. You stay close to the light, there's going to be less darkness. It's just natural. You know, if I yeah. have a lantern, <laughs> the, the more that I move forward, the more that I'm able to expose because that light is dispelling the darkness. But I mean, I, this has been encouraging for me and I hope it's I'm been glad. encouraging for you. And I know there's many people in our ministry who are encouraged by you. So we're going to leave your email in the description. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So we'll make sure that people have a way to contact you because we never know how God will use us. It's one of the greatest things about these interviews is it bring if, it, if, if it's just that one person mm-hmm. that can get encouraged or maybe even hear the gospel and get saved. Well, that's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But maybe there is that struggling person out there who's going through exactly what God has walked you through. And now God gets to get the glory through you and how he's bringing you through it. Mm-hmm. So thanks guys thank for you. being here today. And thank you, Kaylee. Make sure you send us your questions, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Hit the notification button and the bell so that you get all the notifications we have here on BibleLine. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming soon. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's episode of BibleLine, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. BibleLine is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.